Hi everyone, welcome to this week's research review where I'll be looking at the Rebucin study from 2020 comparing the efficacy of heel lifts versus a calf muscle eccentric exercise program for mid-portion Achilles tendinopathy. And I think it's a really, it's a good trial, uh, I think as, as my overall opinion. However, I don't think it exactly answers what we need for our entire sort of rehab protocol. It's very easy to take a study like this and extend um, its findings. Um, and I think the, the question really answers something that's really useful for research, but not always a useful question for rehab. So let's just have a start by having a look at what they actually did. So uh, they took a series of people in um, and split them into two groups randomly, a heel lift versus an eccentric calf raise program. The, the heel lift was a 12 millimeter Shaw A90 um, heel raise. What they didn't um, specify though is what shoes that was gonna be placed in because it would also make, it would make a difference if someone's placing it in a flat Dunlop volley compared to a high drop sneaker. Uh, because when we look at, um, you know, uh, a sneaker that's already got a 12 millimeter heel raise, then you're raising them a further, that's that's potentially up to 24 millimeters of um, height difference compared to when you're just taking a Dunlop volley and you're raising them 12 millimeters up to what a standard sneaker would be. There's a potential difference in outcomes. However, what we're also just looking for is the change. So it's I don't think it impacts the results too much. It just doesn't replicate um, clinical practice as much. When we look at the eccentric calf raise group, they were doing a two times a day, a 12 to 15 rep um, program, five kilogram increments, and what the, uh, they would increase, they'd start with body weight, and then they'd move up in five kilogram increments, so adding weight um, in some, they were like guided to use weight. And they would only progress up to the next sort of five kilos when they were able to do that program pain-free. So outcomes were at 12 weeks, and this is the, the extent of the study was 12 weeks, was that the heel lifts outperformed the calf raise program. Um, so both, both groups got better, but on a visa A score, we had about 26 compared to a 17.4. So a difference. Um, the question really is, is it statistically um, different enough um, to make a clinical difference? That is a question. But at 12 weeks, so in the short term, heel lifts did outperform exercises. We looked at the secondary outcomes for the study, which was change in ultrasound. They didn't find a change in ultrasound. When we look at the pain um, change, there was a pain severity change, which ma maps with the visa A score, the visa A being um, more of an encompassing outcome measure rather than just a pain score and severity. There was no difference on a health status questionnaire. There was no difference in, in difference between the groups between physical activity amounts and function. Um, there was very limited difference in a calf muscle function test. So this is where they did maximum repetitions to, that they could do over time, timed with a metronome. So it was always, they had to not only do the maximum they can, but the maximum they can to a beat. And there was a slight increase um, 
in patient impression, impression of change questionnaires for the Hills Race Group, which makes sense if the visa A uh, and the pain severity show um, more change in the Hill Race Group. So on the face of it, the, the question that they would be answering and the, and the conclusion that they're looking at is, yeah, you know, in the short term, heel raises outperform eccentric calf muscle exercises. Uh, now, there is that shoe issue, um, which I mentioned, so it doesn't completely match um, clinical practice. But then, so there's a question there of what if we were to change from completely flat to a sneaker so there was an even higher heel raise? There's that, there's that question there. When we look at the Calf raise program is eccentric only. So, and it's 12 to 15 reps two times a day. When we look at what we're actually going to pre prescribe for rehab, so someone has an injury, they're a runner, they're a basketball player, they're, they're doing some sort of sport and activity. If we're going to give them an exercise program that is designed to try and build strength and resiliency, that's not the program I would give. You'd be looking at a program that would be doing two sets at one time. You'd be looking at potentially then having time uh, the next day. So we know that tendons take 24 to 48 hours to recover. Sometimes even there's still some changes up to 72 hours after. So if you're doing a some sort of a program uh, that is every six, 12 hours, we're not load, we're probably not loading that tendon enough with this program, 12 to 15 reps, and then we are not allowing the tendon to recover um, from that as well completely, um, or potentially there was no progressive, uh, enough of a progressive overload. So the exercise program here doesn't also sit with strength and conditioning principles for if this person has a goal to return to a certain <clears throat> amount or level of activity, it doesn't match. It also gives people the guidance that they shouldn't be increasing their exercises, um, and, and that is the weight that they've, they've been given to, to use, unless they are pain-free at their current weight. And what we know from the Silbernagel um, 2007 study is that, specifically in mid-portion Achilles uh, tendinopathy, we can actually push people into pain. I think they said it was up to about a 4 to 5 out of 10, and there'll be no change on outcomes. Now, that was with running and exercise and activity, but I think what it what it's telling us that study, and when we look at the principles of uh, pain sciences and rehabilitation, we can push people into pain. Even the, just because they have a tendinopathy doesn't mean that tendon is completely incapable of experiencing load, but also a big component of tendinopathy is peripheral sensitization, where we see an actual uh, exaggerated response to stimulus from the actual tendon itself. Um, so the, the, the output of pain and discomfort doesn't is actually exaggerated in comparison to um, what this stimulus is actually doing to the tendon. So guiding people that they shouldn't be increasing their exercise and activity might also bias them as well to go, well, I need to stay pain-free or when I experience pain, I need to pull back. When we know it's safe and effective, um, when we consider treating the whole person to be getting them to do enough activity up to a certain level, because there are also other benefits of exercise and activity. So this doesn't exactly recreate what I would do in clinical practice. And I think the, so what we're really sort of getting out of this study is saying that in the short term, heel raises can actually provide a good amount of pain relief. And that may be in the short term, so 12 weeks, we shouldn't be expecting a as great a change from exercise program alone. 
So why in, in the research study, we always want to do comparisons. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. We want to compare two things to, uh, together to then start to ask the question of, okay, so what happens long-term with heel raises? So this might provide some short-term benefit, but does the exercise outperform heel raise in the long-term? Interestingly, the people in the study actually had a preference for wanting to do more exercise. So the, so the amount of people in the heel raise group that said that that was their, their preferred choice was, was not as high as the exercise group. So a lot of people in that heel raise group said, well, I, I would like the exercise intervention, even though, and that was at the start, and then interestingly, yeah, they, they got better. So there's a bit of a mismatch as well between what people potentially would want and expect coming into to, to treatment for their tendon and their problem. And they're seeing that, hey, I need to get back to X activity. The only way to get there is if I do more activity. This whole idea of sticking something in my shoes and waiting doesn't sit well. It doesn't sit as well with me. And so the question is, is yeah, also that or is do we have to, in clinical practice, go heel raise or exercises? So we can look at it from, from the perspective of, can we do both? That would probably have been, if, if I was going to critique the study and say, what would I have done differently? I probably would have included a group that did both to see the change. Because we might find that the exercise in the short term doesn't add anything over heel raises. That could be a really interesting finding, but what does it do long-term? If you're getting someone moving and getting them to re-trust that they could push themselves into pain, does that help them become less fear avoidant? Most likely. Does it help stop them going down a pathway of catastrophization? Most likely, because we're giving them the license to say that your tendon's okay and we can, we can do some exercise. And then obviously in clinical practice, what I'd be doing is I wouldn't be putting that rule of it has to be pain-free for you to go up. I'd be looking at how do we progressively challenge you and build you back up. The other sort of side of the study, and I think I understand why this is the case, because they, they said so in the study themselves, there's not a lot of studies out there looking at different treatments for Achilles tendinopathy and not in specific groups. And I think that was, a, that was also the big downside is they didn't look at what activity and, and potentially subgroup people as well or collect the information and do a within group analysis to look at what sports and activity were people doing. The scores are averaged. So, you know, for example, you know, if you have some people in the, in the group that are running, do people who are runners get more benefit from heel raise or exercise? People who are mostly sedentary or doing day-to-day -day activities, are they, do they get more benefit out of one or the other? Because that would be super interesting. Because when you think about a runner as well in that sort of exercise program, they're probably going to monster that program pretty easily if they have been doing strength training or they're just generally um, you know, a good athlete compared to someone who is quite relatively sedentary, which we know those are the two big populations that will develop a tendinopathy, especially Achilles tendinopathy. And so the progressive overload um, of, well, more likely to get progressive overload of the tendon and therefore adaptation in the group that hasn't, you know, it's fairly sedentary compared to the runners. And that might explain some of the difference as well, that if you have a lot of very active people that this is quite easy to do, um, 
that might make a change where we look at people who are mostly sedentary, they haven't been moving, they haven't been walking, they haven't been doing as much activity, a small amount of exercise can be beneficial. And we know that the benefits of exercise aren't just always on the progressive overload. Why that's something that I've sort of harped on a lot here, we also know that there's a lot of benefit for a lot of people in just moving more and trusting the body and, and rather than protecting it. So there is a group there that we haven't sort of split off or subgrouped or identified that may have actually gotten better with that exercise program um, overall. And there might be a group in there that, that didn't because the, it wasn't enough. So there is that aspect as well. So like I said, I think it's a good study. I think it tells us some things, but I, um, which are mainly around, you know, that do a heel raise. You know, you're probably more likely to get in the early stages some good results over compared to exercises. If your patient's coming in and is quite worried about pain and concerned about it, that could be a really good intervention to start with the heel raise over an exercise program or potentially both to then say, well, here's for, here's for some pain relief so you can keep moving and exercising to tolerance like we know that we can do from the Silbernagel study. But here's also what we're going to actually do to rebuild you so you can start to work towards your goals. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, just because a tendon is going to not is going to resolve pain-wise, is it going to be prepared to handle the load of their return to exercise? No. No, we need to actually rebuild them um, and rebuild tolerance. And I think that's where the, this and or approach, you know, oh, heel raise or exercise, it's like, no, 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 you're going to need at least exercise has always got to be there as a return to play to re-prepare someone for what they want to do, what the exercise they want to get back to. Um, and the heel raise is a question of, is this going to be effective um, or is this something that we can do that's actually going to actually provide benefit over exercise? And at least in the short term, this is what it said.